Hey beautiful, this episode contains some adult themes and content, so if there are little ears around that may be listening, grab your earphones or choose another time to listen. It's time to shine love and light on the taboo, the hidden, the shamed or unspoken areas of our lives. I'll introduce you to some women who are extraordinary, not because of fame, particular credentials or qualifications, but because they have personal experience, ooze passion and want to share ways we can all shine love and light on the way we relate to the topic, each other and the world around us. This episode was recorded online and there are a few audio glitches. Please be patient when listening. Thanks. Two main things that happened I specifically remember around about age 18 I finished school with great grades because I dedicated so much of my um, also my mental I, I like using mental my capacity to think and read and learn and I was very good at it that was one of the skills that I feel really proud of because that saved me mm. um, in fact, I decided that when I got to age 18 that I was going to go to university and study to become a nutritionist because I wanted to become an expert. At the time, my motivation was to become an expert of the human body to understand how come it gets fat, how come it gets skinny, why can't I get skinny? So that was mm-hmm. my motivation at the time. Um, and I got incredible grades. And that's what started to boost my confidence as well within myself mm-hmm. and kept me going quite some time now also during that um, trend uh, three four years up into my degree so I got my bachelor of science degree and majored in nutrition and I was feeling like a fraud so so quickly there does that mean were you was this a secret life like did your sister and I I don't know that's right no one knew knew, yes you're living I a double a life. So. Of, yes. And in fact, I also was able to afford to live on my own. So from age 17, 18, when I first started that career, I lived on my own in Heidelberg, actually, not far from La Trobe University in Bandura. I used to go there. But yes, I led a very secretive life, double life, hid it from my family very well. They didn't even know that I had an eating disorder. I hid it so well. Where did they them. think you were getting the money? I don't know. I, I did tell them that I was working at um, offices, office jobs and contract works here and there. Um, yeah, they okay. just sort agreed. Yeah. yeah. And, and also I made a very concerted effort to disconnect from them emotionally. I remember that. I remember actually my dad was really trying to reach me for many, many years and my sister, phone calls that I would just ignore. So over time, they learned not to try anymore. So I really caused that separation consciously as well, which hurt. Um, That took a long time to recover, to forgive myself and them. That's another story. Mm. Um, Yeah, toward the, when I started to graduate from my uni degree with great grades, I decided something needs to change because something didn't feel right. I felt some what's wrong here I've got incredible grades I'm ready to serve and become a nutrition consultant yet I felt so deeply miserable inside and I felt like a liar I felt like a fraud 
So I decided to get support. And that's when things started to change for me because I also wasn't feeling good. Like physically, I was weak from all the, I, I suffered from bulimia for five years, which was an intense job to maintain. Mm. Um, a lot of vomiting, a lot of binge eating, like excessive amounts. And I still wasn't getting the results that I was hoping for. So it was like this never ending cycle of being on a high because when you binge and then throw up, you release these chemicals, feel good chemicals actually, which is a temporary high endorphins Right, okay. Um, that sort of makes a bit of sense it. because I hate vomiting. Like this whole idea yes. that you find that okay for an hour yeah. to get that out of your system, it's like the last thing on earth I'd rather, Me too. you know. But then you're getting a, a, a hit again. It so, yeah. It was actually like a morphine injected into my body. I've never had that. But from what I've been told, um, my whole body was like elevated and it was like I'd ran a full marathon. And I had to lay down for hours to recover because I had burnt eyes literally from all the acid reflux after vomiting. Oh. And I'd have to lay down. So yeah, it was a it, it was a addiction I actually felt really trapped in and I didn't know how to escape from it and I felt miserable. I felt depressed. I felt so alone. And I decided, I remember I was breaking down. I was at breaking point on my knees in my unit. Um, you know, I just left my boyfriend as well. I told him to get out of my life and that wasn't easy. I had to put a restraining order on him because he was threatening me. And I was <laughs> at breaking point. Yeah, and, and I literally kissed up my hand and I was weeping on the floor and I said, help me. I was praying. I did not know what else to turn to. I need help. And that was when literally there was like a pivotal shift in my consciousness. I, I still remember that experience. I decided I was going to get better. I made that conscious choice to myself and that I was going to help people, that I was going to serve people and that I wanted to do something important with my life. So that was the decision I made then. And yeah. And you said you went seeking support. I'm wondering if anyone listening here is in that right now, like they are experiencing an eating disorder or feeling completely like their mm. life is out of control. Yes. And maybe through listening to this, like don't give up, there's more to come, um, that you can give someone the hope <laughs> that there is a way out of this kind of spiral of yes. things that you're putting on one on top of the other to fix one thing and then it go, leads to another. Yes. I had an awakening. My breakdown was my awakening. So if there's any message out there for anyone who's listening, yeah, who may be in a similar boat, it may not necessarily be an eating disorder, but addictions come in so many different ways and forms. And it's literally unmet emotions. It's unmet feelings that I've learned to suppress over those years that was coming through me in these addictive behaviors. Um, and it was keeping me safe. That was the whole reason I did that. But it's an illusion, like it's it's unsatiable, insatiable. It's just you can't yes. satisfy it because it's Never not actually from within. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And until I decided to address those painful emotions and also face myself to really start to come to terms with what are these emotions that I've been running away from trying to escape for so long, 
um, it's only then that the healing can actually begin. And so that's when I also decided to reach out for support. And I remember a beautiful kinesiologist in Bandura who saved my life, I could say. So, like, she was amazing with me. Um, and I, I had multiple sessions with her and she helped me with my eating disorders and there was a significant change in my psychology. Uh, and the chemistry literally started to alchemize in my body. I could not believe what was happening. Um, the results were so rapid. And then I also complemented that with psychology. So I re reached out for support from a psychologist. That was the first time I'd ever asked for help. Um, so you weren't just getting support from, you know, the friends you were dancing with or whatever. You were actually going, there's someone out there who's got a, a skill yes. that can really help kind of transform this for me absolutely yeah I did and I started believing that there is a way out um and I did I had to really believe it you know that um there is definitely another solution to this suffering intense suffering um because I noticed how good I am at other things it wasn't until you know and during that time as well I was um starting to learn to belly dance but from a professional point of view I wanted to learn choreography to certain dance pieces because I love Egyptian belly dancing and I was doing it at home I remember and also going to a few classes like I had a beautiful teacher in Frankston she's still there theory and that also changed my life because I started to embody myself as a woman <laughs> And I was more in touch with my feelings and my emotions. And it felt so good to dance inside my body. And little did I know at the time how much it was healing me. Like this ancient art is a powerful detoxifier of emotions. Um, it actually focuses on the ancient Tao principles and the Qigong principles, you know, all merged together and Tantra. See, I love this. This is something that I only learned from you last year yes. um, when you sort of did a workshop with me. And I think, wow, I think there's a real misunderstanding about what belly dancing is. It, yes. it sort of looks a bit seductive and <laughs> it's done in a restaurant and it's, I mean, it's quite pretty and there's lots of um, beautiful belts and things you wear. But I learned yes. from you that it's a healing sort of modality almost for women yes. so yeah tell us more about that yes it is and I started to teach it actually because I loved it so much and my teacher in Frankston gave me so much encouragement um, to go ahead with it at the time I remember saying to myself I can't teach this I don't have enough skills I remember that and it I went to a women's networking event um, and um, the lady there said she's a, she was a Pilates teacher and a healer in Williamstown. And she said to me, oh, I have a spare room out the back. Maybe you should consider coming and teaching some belly dancing because I said to her, that's what I'm really passionate about. And at the time, I was like, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But I still had this, maybe I should try it. The encouragement, the sisterhood, like that support that I felt led me. So I did. And I had 12 women show up. Most of awesome. them were all her clients. Um, but, and then I started doing it and did not stop for about seven years, eight years, um, because the benefits to myself and to others were profound. 
So if you think about the sacrum, um, if you know, a little, I'll share a little bit about yeah, share a little bit of context. Yeah. So the chakras, we've got seven chakras and the first and second chakra. So the base, the root, and then which is kind of to do with the area of um, your coccyx bone and kind of like about grounding and it's all about feeling safe in the world. Right. Unless this foundation is solid, everything else kind of feels a little bit wobbly. And we learn this also in Tantra. It's a similar sort of philosophy. And then if you go to the second chakra, the Svadhisthana, as they call it, or the water element, it's to do with your sexual um, vitality and your reproductive organs, your womb area, as well as your sacrum. So this is to do with uh, your sense of power and who you are and where you belong in the world. And so when we actually begin to do, for instance, the figure eight, which is a beautiful movement done with the hips and maybe a bit later I can show Penny. And yeah, that some time later. <laughs> <laughs> but the beautiful figure eight um, is an infinity sign. And we draw that with our hips over our feet. And in Qigong, um, this is actually representing that beautiful sexual vitality channel right and what it's doing is actually circulating around this current this beautiful orbit just like a water element and what that's doing is actually opening up all these beautiful meridian lines inside the body and so now when women actually can learn this movement when she can free her hips up which is what happens when you do it several times and the muscles start to loosen and you start to enjoy the movement it actually has a physiological effect a psychological effect on our nervous system all of a sudden the trauma that was living inside that region of our body which is where we tend to dump it most women do gets felt it gets seen it gets met and that's where the healing begins sometimes it comes out as tears sometimes as laughter and I had a lot of women in my classes that come out in hysterical laughter there's like this uncontrollable surge of energy all of a sudden moving through the body. That's not a coincidence. Mm. And that's when I started to deepen into my spiritual practice because I thought something magical is happening here. Because I was just at the time focused on just the dance and the choreography because I loved it. I didn't realize at the time how significant it was as a healing modality until recently, like four or five years ago when I delved into my ancient tantra practices and started to see, oh, my God, this is what I do in belly dancing. It's yeah. exactly the same movement. And I think you were saying and sharing that, you know, women, um, so maybe even when you were in um, Cyprus, that sort of after childbirth or to connect with a sisterhood, dancing and, and belly dancing yes. was part of it. It was this healing yes. opportunity that... Everyone can't put down as fun, but it was actually doing so much more. Yeah, so women would gather. I mean, my beautiful aunties and my cousins in Cyprus, and they still do it today, women would gather privately, actually, closed doors, no men. Um, it doesn't mean that men don't dance this, by the way. They do. It actually originated from men in, like, mm. back in the 500 BC. Men actually used to belly dance, and there's still a lot of traditions in Egypt that... Um, where males dance but oh. quite common over there um but the women would specifically gather as a way to celebrate their womanhood especially when they were menstruating and bleeding together 
they would gather because the it was like this estrogen bath and this is where we become magicians when we can actually tune into the wisdom of our blood when we can tune into the wisdom of our pleasure centers something really magical happens in that space particularly when there's a lot of women and these women my aunties know this stuff like they didn't you know, this I feel totally of, robbed. Like, we, why? I know, we, right? We have this in Western <laughs> culture. Like, honestly, it's like right? we're on a rock. So different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they get up and dance there for the sake of just dancing, and you know, they would shoulder shimmy, hip shimmy as soon as music comes on, and it was a way to celebrate being together and acknowledging love for one another. And yeah. they were just tapping into this healing. Um, natural way of you know menstruating can be uncomfortable and you do kind of want to withdraw and don't want to be out on display but to be around sisters and 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 a loving energy like that sounds like a hot water bottle to me (laughs) (laughs) oh getting into yummy hot bath yes Yeah. yeah okay so we sort of digress we talked about belly dancing and how you started teaching belly dancing and where did that take you? Oh, which path do I go down? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess back to we've talked about addiction and now touched on belly dancing as well. Like what is it about these things that we've talked about a bit taboo? Like what's yeah. the opportunity in now talking about it and sharing about it? What was it that made you now start to share about it? So you've done your own healing a bit and sought out professional help and yes. and found kind of opportunities that are outside stripping and stuff so what is it that you kind of went through that maybe some people listening might go well I can do that or isn't that interesting I've done that too I didn't even realize mm, yes or even understand someone else like I feel like you've allowed me to understand why people are stripping or are prostitutes or, you know, like there's, yes. it's not just the money. There's a whole lot. Yeah. Of, yeah. Let's understand what our sisters are going through and be supportive instead of judging and powerful adding another level of shame on them. Yes. Yes. We've, you know, only just, what was it? 50 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, sorry, probably a little bit more than that. It's not long ago that women were stoned. You know, we were, ridiculed well in some parts of the world they still are still do. Like, yeah there are definitely women in in the world who don't I, have the rights we have and that's right and that must be honored in a sense like we still it, we carry that in our cellular bodies you know it's passed down from generations it's in the collective energy still to some extent that it's not okay to voice yourself as a woman and be it's heard scary. Yeah. it's scary because if we God forbid, express our opinions, then we might be judged, yeah, rather than held and supported, as you mentioned, Penny, which is critical to a woman's growth and development. Anyone's, she's shamed, she's put down. Um, and it's generally because they haven't dealt with their own inner uh, woundings of their dark feminine um, as well as the masculine. And so, Today, I find in a culture where gossip, um, particularly around workplaces, I think I, I was in corporate work for uh, eight, ten years as a nutrition lecturer in Melbourne. You know, the reason I left that company 
was not because I didn't want to do that role anymore. I very much loved my role, but I could not work with the people. Um, and it killed my soul mm. because these people were not ready to wake up consciously yet. And so um, I think we have a duty, a responsibility almost um, as human beings to work on developing ourselves, to look at ourselves, to have more introspection, to really do the work. You know, I think we, we deserve to change and evolve um, today. There's no other time, you know, on this planet. And one of the things that I strongly believe in is holding a container, like being able to provide a space for what is without trying to change it, without trying to um, criticize it or bring your own opinion into it, you know, to really be at home with what is. But that requires that inner wisdom and that inner work, as I was mentioning, of everyone collectively to do that for us to actually be thriving today. And I think that's why I'm in the work that I do. To well, you've come through a lot and, and I guess have seen what's available on the other side or that it, and I guess that's what some of the work I like doing is for women too to realize that you don't have to do it alone there's a lot of there's a incredible people out there with all sorts of different experiences that you can relate to or you might like to um, yeah. try and then on the other side of it is like what you're now doing you know what's available you don't have to be at a tied to those past stories and caught up in an addiction <laughs> and a way of life that isn't sustainable for you. Yes. Yes. And you hold that space so beautifully too, Penny. Yeah, you do. So I guess, yeah, going back to what is it that you, you've, you've made some steps, but what mm. is on the other side? What, what, what is, what's changed for you? And I, I know, you know, there's a bit of spirituality coming in and, and a yes. body awareness and stuff like that. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, I did want, I was so hungry. I mean, I went through the mental stage first, so I wanted to develop my cognitive. I wanted to understand the psychology of all the behaviours and patterns that I had um, held on to for so many years. I wanted to understand more about that. And so um, that's when I actually, that was back in early 2000s when I registered myself into the Landmark Forum. My cousin had mentioned it to me that it would be the best thing for me. And so I went along and it was epic. It was life-changing. That's where I got to see so much of where my healing process actually began was there. Um, so much forgiveness took place, so much self-compassion um, and understanding, uh, step, you know, being able to step outside of my own box and be able to put myself in someone else's shoes learnt so many beautiful um, lessons from that journey. And then after maybe about seven or eight years of um, fully dedicating myself to the practices and the methodology of um, the education, I decided that I was yearning for something deeper. I wanted to take my knowledge from there and um, I was hungry for more and that's when the spiritual aspect beginning I started to open up to higher levels of consciousness and working with energy and trying to understand more about me and why we choose certain behaviors and why it is that we 
can't seem to let go of certain patterns that even though they're uh, sabotaging, um, whether that's relationships, whether that's food, whether that's alcohol, um, any form of, um, it could be self-abuse, um, you know, self-criticism. Why do we keep doing those things again and again and again? And that's when I discovered yoga. <laughs> that's when I was like interested in that because there was a school in Yarraville I used to go to and I loved going to those classes two hours every week. It changed my life. I'd come home and my whole being shifted. My body felt more flexible and open, but also my heart. I could feel my heart soften, my edges I was such a strong girl but you know the edges started to soften the more and more that I did yoga I started to see myself I started to um, witness as they say um, awareness mm -hmm. so I was actually observing everything was happening that was happening in my life without necessarily attaching myself as that identity that that is me and you know which is nothing but the ego and so yoga was teaching me to detach myself from the personality construct that I had put myself inside mm. of to keep myself safe for so many years. And this mask that I had on, which served me, um, and I don't regret any of that. And so seven years after practicing yoga, I decided I wanted to become a yoga teacher. And I was still teaching my belly dancing classes at that stage. And getting a lot, gaining so much benefit and making a big difference to so many women's lives and the feedback was phenomenal. But I was also reaching a point of, you know, when you're ready to expand to the next stage, I'm sure, yeah. Penny, you can relate to this. I do that a lot. <laughs> you do that a lot, yeah. You know, you're like, mm, there's something else here. You know, yeah. you've used up what you you're needed. You've expanded that. into that space now. Yeah, there's something else. Yeah, you've yeah. done that too in your life in many areas. Um. It's, I think what that is is that hunger. There's that inner fire wanting to burst out. It's like, yeah, let's do life. Mm. And I love that. I love that we all um, have that inside of us. And so for me, yeah, that was why don't I go and learn to become a yoga teacher um, because I love the difference that it's made to me um, because I was becoming more quieter in my mind. Mm. Like it was becoming less and less and less and less analysis and more body and more feeling and more groundedness and more here-ness. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, less words would be a much better world. Mm. So, I, yeah, I went to study um, with a beautiful tantric um, teacher who's professionally trained in somatic sexology. She actually is trained in that. I went to Bali to do that with her and a group of 21 women for one month. That was about five years ago. And it was an incredible journey. I learned so much and I currently use those skills today in my workshops and my retreats as well with women. And what I've done today is fused my knowledge from the yoga as well as my belly dancing and I've put the two together and it's still an evolving mission. You have this beautiful blend of goodness. Yeah. Tell us yeah. more. <laughs> oh, the blend and the fusion. It's so powerful to be able to get women to drop into their bodies. So you call yourself a feminine empowerment coach? Feminine embodiment. Oh, embodiment. Yeah. Oh, well, and you empower That's okay. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> embodiment coach. Yes. So I help women step into their bodies and connect with their source, their power. So it's like 
plugging in to motherboard literally and I use ancient Tantra techniques that I've learned and ancient Tao principles which is actually designed specifically for the female physiology um, and if you look back onto history yoga in fact was originally made for men mm. it was a man's yoga <laughs> um, but today thankfully we've and it's only very recent that it's now becoming very much feminine focused um, and we invite now the fusion of Tantra um, which is um, bringing it all together in my view. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about Tantra because some people have ideas of what that might be and just to make sure we're on the same <laughs> yeah, but, definition. And I guess too, yeah, I, re- I, I would imagine that... You tantric people... sex, like, let's be honest. Yes, you know, what is it, 108 different positions or something? <laughs> or was it going for like eight hours? Yeah, you just never stop. Never just stop. Endless, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. And I think um, one of the famous celebrities um, came up with that myth. Um, it is certainly possible, but that is not the aim. Um <laughs> And it has nothing to do with um, doing it naked. It has nothing to do with, um, in fact, it's all fully clothed. And This is your tantric yoga? Yes. Yes. And it really is about... Um, tantra is actually still a word unyet defined. So go to any textbooks and there is not one accurate definition of what it is. My interpretation of it is wholeness, the bringing together, the unity. Um, of It's like the umbrella for, let's call it spirituality, let's call it awareness, the absolute awareness. To me, it's bringing that all together and merging into the heart center. And we can develop a sense of like if you go out and go for a beach walk today for instance or in nature you're actually doing life it can be a tantric experience yeah we don't have to do tantra in the bedroom we don't have to you know read up about it in books or it's got nothing to do with sexuality actually that's a myth yeah it can be used during sex and it's a very empowering way to deepen intimacy for sure um but we can have a tantric experience right now yeah anywhere right um so it's about connecting in um and um appreciating um your wholeness as a person and there's different techniques to actually help you step into that and once we're there that's where the magic is that's that's where the intuitive wisdom comes in and the answers come and the you know most of the time we're running around in our heads i do that i still have to catch myself Mm. you know i have to come and solve this problem i have to know what i'm going to do i have to (laughs) make a decision but that's not where how that's not productive and Mm. it's not a very effective way of doing it we can use our mind control yes and it does serve a purpose but if we also include the intelligence of our body if we include so it's sort of like we're expanding. We're not saying it's wrong to use your mind. It's more around exactly. there's something else available. It's even bigger. It's not bigger. less than, yeah. Exactly. And that's what Tantra is, yeah, expansion. Uh, expansion of life and including everything. So, um, yeah, it's a gentle and very um, embodied experience where when we actually fuse that with some movement and one of the things that I tend to 
focus on is the three main important factors, which to me is everything, and that's sound, movement, and breath. And when these three things are fused together, life is created, literally. So if you think of a woman giving birth, those three things must happen for birth mm. to happen. So the contractions of the movement, the breath, and yeah. the sound, yeah? So she's encouraged, especially during, during, you know, when she's in labor, to sound and sigh deeply and, in fact, scream if necessary because um, we're actually releasing those emotions and it's just energy moving and leaving the body. Mm. And so these concepts are utilized in this specific tantric yoga practice that are fused together. Um, sometimes people can be, you know, initially when women come, it can be quite confronting, um, especially when I was doing it with a group of 21 women. I'll quickly share when I was yeah. in Bali. I had not known about this work before and it was quite, it was even for me, it was very confronting because I never enjoyed orgies. I never enjoyed, and that's not what it is, but like I was, I was just not into, you know, I was very much into monogamy and I still am. And, you know, I'm pretty reserved in a lot of ways, particularly around sexuality. It is very sacred to me and I honor my sexuality and my desires around that as well. And so when I went to this retreat, I didn't know anyone. There was 21 women and in Bali, it was really hot. I remember stinking hot. And here we are doing our four hours each day of pranayama which is deep breathing techniques with all these noises you know everyone's making noise <sighs> and if you walk in from the outside it actually sounds like we're all having an orgasm you know <laughs> yeah. and that's really confronting and I do remember the first time when I went in there and I didn't know what to expect so much we we're in this big circle 21 women the facilitators leading and she's taking us on this journey of breath, sound, and movement. And she's saying, you know, when you circle your um, spine, inhale as you come forward and exhale back onto your sit bone. But you're going to do that with sound. So it sounds like this. <sighs> right? And imagine 21 women doing that all at the same time, synchronized, breath, deep breathing. I honestly thought for a moment, I, I thought, oh, my God, is she going to, are, are we going to, are we all going to have an orgasm here? <laughs> it was really like, I was like, oh, but I don't think I could do that. You know, but it wasn't. It had nothing to do with that because it's such an internal journey. And when you can let go of what you're going to look like, everyone else is doing it. And, you know, there's a point that I realized, you know what, Aslam, just give it up, you know, just have a go. And I really trusted my voice. I really trusted it. And what came through was I was belting out screams. Like by the end of the 90-minute practice, I was weeping. I was in tears. And what that is is a releasing of deep trauma that was stored in the body. So we relate to an orgasm as such a negative, shameful thing when, in fact, that the is... The noise from it. Is, yeah, the noise from yeah. it. It's life force energy, right, moving through us. And it's very healing. So interesting. Yeah, I wondered, so you sort of said you've gone through that. I'm kind of wanting to unpack what it is to get over yourself to do some of this work. Um, <laughs> Good question. You, you've had 
you know, a, a, not a bottom, you bottomed out, but there was definitely a feeling like I've got to get out of here. Some people mm. listening may not, like life's pretty good. Like why would I bother going yeah. to see someone like there's a more tried movement mm. or tantric yoga or anything like what's available to them? Great question. Inner peace. Oh, just that sense of I am okay. At the release of all this weight that I was wearing about what I need to do in life, who I need to be, how successful I need to be, how much money I need to make to prove something to myself or be loved by someone else. Just complete freedom to be myself and know that I'm okay and to have and develop this sense of compassion for myself without the need to feel I have to resort to drugs or I have to resort to other addictions to feed myself. I ended all of that. I literally do not have any desire. I haven't touched um, drugs. And now if I touch someone was, it was my birthday yesterday, the other day, and someone gave me a little bit, a friend of mine gave me a little bit of champagne. I cannot do that today because my I've purified my body so much that even just a little bit triggers me um, and I don't feel good the next day. So it's taught me about self-sovereignty, you know, as a woman. And I think all of us are yearning for that deep down. I must hear in you like you don't need anything else anymore. Like the champagne for some people is what yes. you need to have fun or I need a partner who does X, Y, Z in order to have fun. <laughs> and I hear from you is I'm, I've got an inner peace. I'm okay with myself. Yes, completely. yes, and that's freeing. That's liberating, you know, to know that I'm enough. Exactly. And don't, don't get me wrong, I have my moments. I still have my human moments. I do. I'm far from perfect. Only just the other day I had a massive breakdown. You're perfectly imperfect like we all Thank are. Thank you. Yes. I love you that. You are perfect. Perfectly. <laughs> yes. I'll take that one. Yeah. We all are. We've just got to own it. This podcast perfectly imperfect. There's, <laughs> <laughs> we're, um, yeah, we've got to realise we are perfect. We are whole and complete just as we are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We've sort of drifted over your story is there anything else that you feel you wanted to add that I kind of glossed over or we didn't kind of get to Mm. I have a like belly dancing too I'll just add the embodiment piece helped me really trust my body that was another big piece for me I didn't trust my body. I didn't love my body. I hated it. I was so self-critical and I wanted to change it um, so much. I remember having so much hatred feelings towards it. And after practicing belly dancing and this particular tantra yoga for the feminine released me from all of that. And if there's anything that I can feed listeners or others who are listening into this, you know, you probably hear this all the time of how important, you know, meditation is. 
and it's probably over said so many times that you become even numb to it you're like yeah i know it's important but i just don't have the time to do it mm. you are so important is what i want to say and you are worth that time and it must be like a devotion some sort of devotion that i would like highly recommend everyone practice can you tell us a little bit about the type of meditation you know what it might look like yeah when i first started meditating i couldn't i i thought i just couldn't i could not sit still my mind was so overactive it was telling me i should do this i shouldn't do this i was thinking about my to-do list and every time i sat down to do it there'd be a distraction the phone would ring or you know it was just impossible to stay present and in fact i thought i was doing it wrong but all of those experiences all of those mess ups mess ups which <laughs> they weren't were the perfect conditions for my development of presence and awareness and coming back home to myself so yes initially it feels like you are challenged because what you're challenged from is breaking through the barriers of our ego which is so strong and we have to we have to fight that we can't let the mind win and we must have a daily practice even if it's for five minutes each day just commit if even if it's lighting a candle and you're not doing anything just commit to a short that's so a pause now. really like a it's nice a sort of simple pause where you're not trying to do anything be anything yes it's having it's like turning off your voice in your head turn it down perfect way to put that penny exactly turn it down and, and it's just, those pauses thank you you said that beautifully well, I guess there's, I, I mean, I grapple with it myself and it's, oh, am I doing it right? And should I have a guided meditation or I've done a mantra and <laughs> yes. like, oh, am I doing it right? And it's actually, there is really, if you can get over, I don't have to do this right. There's, it's the way that feels okay for me. But yes. it's the pause of, and, and valuing yourself enough to do yes. it for yourself for no other reason than you're worth it. Yes. And it might take you one year. I'm not kidding you. You know, if you're new to meditation, it might take you more to really, you know, be able to sit there for a bit longer than five minutes without feeling like you need to run. And you're it's missing just, out on something. That's yeah. Like, I should be here and I need to do this. And... Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite a common theme for beginners. Um, so just be patient with yourself and really have that compassion and understanding that you're you're in your process it is it's part of the the process because the mind doesn't want to quieten down but there's a different part of you that's trying to come through in the meditation that we need to make room for yeah so so this yeah. is interesting you've talked about ego and there's this other side of us i think for someone quite new to this language or what what are you kind of tapping into like, mm. i can add my version but i want to hear yours like that where there's yeah. split there's a soul and a, a mind it's a deep conversation isn't it penny we can go so many different places with this one and my understanding of it is you know and i've had some beautiful teachers that i've come across and still listen to to today 
who support me on my spiritual journey that is always evolving <laughs> is the absolute. It's, and so absolute awareness, some people call that God, some people call that higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it or label it. There is something greater. There's something beyond the mind, way beyond the mind, that we all have the capability of tapping into. And in fact, if we give ourselves the opportunity to be still. Or we are even it. Like it's. That, I like that. That's it. It's, yeah, that's another way. We're it. We are one and the same. We are connected. Yeah. And then there's this ego part of us, that mind, that rational, analytical, amygdala mind that wants to keep us safe all the time, that tries to run the show, you know, that we give so much airtime to. It's kind of like a program, isn't it? It's running yes. in, in the, if we're yes. a computer, if this is, you do this and, oh, this happens. Yes, 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 <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, yes. And meditation slows that down and the ego doesn't like that. It's threatened. Very much, and that's hence the. I gotta get out of here. Mm. Yeah, I know that. And it'll, it'll make you fall asleep, or it'll. Yes, yes, very <laughs> much. I used to do that. Sabotage it somehow. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Come, come into. Like, there's plenty of incredible resources too. I mean, Benny, you're really great with your amazing books as well. I'm sure that you you'll be sharing too with your listeners. But YouTube has also been such a great platform for myself, especially in my spiritual development. There's so much free available things out there, podcasts, you know, these messages that can support you um, on your journey. It's amazing what's Which is, a, I think that's awesome. That if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, I want to explore this or what, what are they even talking about? <laughs> you can go Google their... I guess I also wanted to share that there's this community of people who are doing this kind of work. I'm completely hooked on them and it's people who are looking and, and questioning and curious and supportive. Like this is a place where you can go and people see you as way more than you see yourself. Mm -hmm. um, they're beyond those stories that you've been running in your head forever yes. and has kept you small. So they're looking at you as... Um, a potential that you can reach and it's awesome um i did uh, we're, we're going to have to wrap up sadly sure. um so <laughs> i know we could talk um, forever obviously yeah listeners can connect in with some of the stuff i do and i'm very passionate about bringing women together and i have a hive group um of women who mm. are connected and supportive and it's a judgment-free space and i'm running some events and ursland is going to be featured in one yeah. so on the fourth we did make it the fourth of march month, yes um she will be in melbourne so currently she's on the north coast of new south wales and that's where she lives so she's coming to melbourne and i've snapped her up and said <laughs> please come to my hive and do an event so if you're interested you will not be disappointed. This girl is extraordinary, <laughs> as you've heard, but also um, her workshops and what she can actually do in a physical sense to really bring her story to life is incredible. So come along to that. And then if they can't make that, I'm sure there'll be more times we'll work together. But Erzlan, what else are you doing? Oh, thank you, Penny. I'm so looking forward to collaborating with you at this workshop as well in Melbourne. I'm doing a few other different things myself. Um, 
So I'll be in Melbourne um, a few times throughout the year this year, actually. So yeah, the first one is scheduled for the um, 4th of March with you. And then I'm running also an eight-week online program for those who can't actually join me physically. I've created an online program specifically um, what we spoke of and shared of today, which is the fusion of the Tantra, the yoga, the feminine aspect of the yoga, as well as um, belly dancing. And it includes quite a lot of mindset development, looking at old limiting beliefs and how we can replace them with more empowering ones. So it's a mentoring program, a one-on-one. And that goes for eight weeks online and I've um, got some beautiful clients that I'm currently seeing, which is, yeah, really yummy to work with. So I love and enjoy doing that as well. And I've got my own retreat. I've got a beautiful goddess retreat here in the beautiful Northern Rivers, New South Wales, a um, beautiful place called Casuarina. If you don't know it, it's right on the beach. I've got this gorgeous beach house and it's going to be a small intimate group of women where we get to dive deep into these practices um, and that's at the end of March so March 27 and it's for five days and I've still got room for three more I've got three more spaces left for that so please get in touch or find so out where do they any. find yeah your website you can go to my website ozlemperon.com so it's o-z-l-e-m-p-e-r-o-n.com so that has um, a contact me form so anywhere you want on that page um, you can reach out to me and um, that will come directly to me I'll be able to respond to you there um, I also have a Facebook page where all my events get put up as well so if you go to my website there will be a link to my Facebook as well as Instagram as well that you can find me in yeah, so follow Aslan wherever you can. I am so grateful for you coming on this oh. um, mm -hmm. podcast journey with me, but also for being so open and generous with your sharing. Mm. The topics that you've touched on um, mm. are hard to talk about for most of us, and that's another reason why I'm grateful you were willing to shine love and light on it. And mm. even if people listening have had a very different life story. The fact that Urslan has been able to share about it, maybe there's something in your life that you're dealing with um, that might, this might give you the courage to share with one person or reach out to a professional who you've never gone to before and trust that your heart and your guides will take you to the right person. Um, you're definitely welcome to reach me at alwaysinyourcorner.net. If I can connect you with anyone, I would be most grateful for the opportunity to do that and support you. Um, yeah, there's just so much available. Please, please, please tap into mm -hmm. it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, if you like this podcast, please share it with anyone, um, rate it and review it wherever it's possible so that it can reach people and... Um, shine more love and light around really mm, that's so beautiful thank you so much penny for this gorgeous opportunity to connect with you and allowing me into your beautiful you know sacred um hive <laughs> <laughs> it's lots yeah. of energy and fun it and it's it's welcoming and everyone's welcome and i'm so thrilled you're yeah. part of it. so thank you and we'll so connect soon bye everyone mm -hmm. Before you go, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we meet on and pay respects to the 
elders past, present, and future. Shine your light to shine.